So hi, everyone. Welcome to this podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Alice. And this is... And you're listening to... (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it again. In the times of brick phones, Tamagotchis, and curtain bangs. The 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. Anyway, uh, welcome everyone. I'm Chris. And I'm Alice. And you're listening to Xena Made Me Gay. Fantastic. We made it work. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so now that we've, we've done that, I was thinking that I would read out a special review to you all. Uh, Alice, do you want to tell us how we came across this review? Yes, certainly, because it's a very nice story. So what I was telling all my friends and relatives that we're doing a podcast now it's called Zena made me gay i guess my mom wanted to kind of refresh her memories about Zena warrior princess and my mom sadly right now is in russia and as you know it's not a very good place to be overall but not a very good place to be if you're lgbt in particular i know that i'm i i, I promised you a fun story it got really dark but you you cannot avoid that. So my mom googled Xena Warrior Princess and she came across a review on a site called Movie Censor. And that tells you everything that you need to know about this website and people writing reviews on that. But after my mom read this review, she's like, oh, I read this review. Uh, the, the, the bigoted people think that Xena is horrible. Apparently, it's a very good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then my mom sent me a link to this review and me and Chris just could not pass it by because the amount of effort that this bigoted person put into reviewing Xena Warrior Princess is commendable. Absolutely. Without further ado, here's the review. Obviously translated from from Russian into English. Xena Warrior Princess is one of those TV series that can be perceived differently depending on one's point of view. From the entertainment side, it's a harmless dud. But if we pay attention to the question of morality, it's far from harmless. If we judge it from the moral standpoint, uh, Xena is one of the most vicious and destructive figures in the film and television industry. She became one of the first armed women in television that have gained great popularity in the mass culture. Of course, before Xena, there were other similar, quote-unquote, Shiros. But they were all isolated instances, their distribution wasn't extensive, and they didn't achieve world fame. There were some that got their share of fame, such as Wonder Woman on TV in the late 70s and Red Sonja on the big screen in the mid-80s. But back then there were no women that were this aggressive and this widely hyped by the pop culture. 
Xena became an active participant in the notorious amoral tendency of being half-naked and cool, which rapidly started gaining steam in the late 90s and early 2000s. It is largely because of Xena's global popularity, which was strongly aided by the beginning of the internet era, that later the so-called quote-unquote, strong female characters mushroomed and at this point are countless in film and television. From the top of her head to the tips of her toes, Xena is the embodiment of the feminist figure. A fully independent and self-sufficient female specimen <gasps> who's not in need of help from the stronger sex. But her plot biography is, to put it mildly, far from perfect. In fact, it's the opposite. Zina is a former criminal, responsible for the deaths of thousands of people. A sort of fascist and sadist of the ancient world. Her criminal path would have continued, if not for Hercules. Thanks for whom she had mended her ways, all without ever being punished for her evil deeds. Apparently, one can commit crimes, be a killer, and spill blood, and then all of a sudden, turn the page on that, avoid punishment, and get a fresh start, and immediately sign up for protecting the weak to atone for one's sins. It's not hard to imagine what chaos and lawlessness would reign in any society that would let such a thing happen. And one cannot excuse this by saying, Oh, it's just a fantasy genre. Here, the message of the TV series is amoral and criminal in its very essence. Xena has acquired all of her fighting skills during the period of her life when she indiscriminately killed innocent people. After joining, quote-unquote, the good ones, she started using those for protecting those very innocent people. The level of violence in the series increases from a more or less moderate one to a very significant one later and is off the charts in the last seasons when Xena is joined in her fighting by her girlfriend lover, Gabrielle. And they fight in clothing that cannot withstand any criticism. Regardless of the plot or whether they are always dressed or rather undressed as if they're perpetually in the July heat. Two half-naked chicks enter into battle with tens, often hundreds, and sometimes even thousands of dudes, and they emerge victorious. We are led to believe that if a woman chops up and throws around the representative of the stronger sex left and right, does all the men's work better than the men themselves, and moreover, does it all almost naked. That's how it should be. But everyone knows very well that could never happen in reality. Male characters in Xena can be clearly divided into two categories. The overwhelming majority is portrayed as overtly weak and incapable of defending either others or even themselves. The most striking example is the hapless wannabe warrior Joxer, who often accompanies the warrior women. And the other men are powerful villains 
for example, the god of war Ares and Gaius Julius Caesar. In fact, the very reason Xena and Gabrielle fight for a better world with their bare arms and legs is that nobody else except for them is capable of it. A better world here is, of course, understood as bringing the pervert. A better world. Shut up. A better world here is, of course, understood as bringing the perverse ideas peddled by the show creators to life. One of the producers, Lise Friedman, is an open lesbian. And the relationship between Zena and Gabrielle develops from a friendship in the earlier seasons to an openly romantic relationship in the later ones. They exchange kisses. They often bathe together. One gets the impression that the only thing keeping the showrunners from including sex scenes is solely the fact that such perversions would not be allowed on screen in the 90s. But it wasn't because of moral convictions but because of the fear of losing the sponsors and the viewers, as even in America, most of them had mixed feelings about the propaganda of lesbianism and pederasty. As an example, the jewelry company De Beers became the sponsor of the 18th episode of the third season. So the producer Rob Tappert wanted to arrange it so that Gabrielle gave Zena a wedding ring. Director Josh Becker later said that it was this episode that was planned as a quote-unquote, coming out episode, from which the audience would learn that Zena and Gabrielle were lesbians. Tappert wanted to film a scene where these shameless girls make love in the dark. But this was not done because Universal didn't allow it. The show's fans can be divided into three main categories. Some consider the main characters to be openly lesbian. Others claim that they are bisexual, citing the fact that they also have relationships with men. The third group believes that they were just friends. The first two groups are noticeably dominant, especially in the West. Already in the late 90s, during the show's filming, lesbians and pederasts made Xena their favorite. And nowadays, she's a veritable icon of lesbianism. The show has a solid reputation of being one of the pioneers of the advancement of same-sex perversions. Many gay pride parades often feature participants dressed as Zena and Gabrielle. And in reality, the actresses Lucy Lawless, Zena, and Renee O'Connor, Gabrielle, currently actively support the notorious LGBT movement and are supporters of numerous organizations of pederasts and lesbians. It's easy to imagine that if Hollywood were to make a contemporary remake of Zena, there would be nothing to stop the showrunners from creating blatant, naked, lesbian porn. General conclusion. Xena, warrior princess, is from head to toe an amoral soap opera of American television that has paved way to many followers and imitators of the similar kind. The habits of a criminal, the clothing of a prostitute, and the inclinations of a lesbian. This is the essence of Xena. The show deserves an 18 plus rating because of the propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations and also because of the plentiful violent scenes. But I personally am firmly in support of the strictest measures against such poison and I'm convinced that this Xena should be fully banned, at least on widely accessible TV and blocked on websites. It is my sincere wish that you don't buy the seemingly prettily wrapped box that contains completely 
rotten content. <laughs> Applause. Thank you so much for this passionate reading. It did justice for this thoughtful article where its author very rightfully so says that notorious lesbians have Xena as an icon. Thus, our show. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, no, really, like, I, I'm grateful to this person. I didn't know, for example, the De Beers uh, debacle with the ring. Neither did I. That is an interesting trivia fact. Yes, thank you. We should look into it. Absolutely. <laughs> Episode 18 of season three. Watch out. It's going to be so soon. Yeah. <laughs> Only yeah. like five years later. <laughs> all right. So uh, now that we're all energized by this lovely review, let's move on to the episode. And the episode's name is The Path Not Taken. Quite a mysterious, uh, a mysterious title. It's not, it's not like chariots of war where it's like oh it's about war and they're using chariots i think i i think i know what's coming yes whereas here it's the path not taken who knows what it's about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we'll find out we'll find out so we open with a young couple <clears throat> romeo and juliet <clears throat> um and this couple is planning their future together and wondering uh why the hell their families are in a feud in the first place nobody remembers and um, Juliet says, uh, we'll bring our children to this place and tell them that peace was made here. And Romeo says, and that one of their parents was made here. Ew. Yeah, young men are the same, whether it's Asian Greece, modern US. Juliet is like, um, after our wedding, maybe. <laughs> it's like, oh girl, do you even want this? Yeah, uh, that's very sad. But apparently also being really horny makes you a very bad actor. That's part of the campy charm of the show that sometimes the acting is questionable, but this dude's Romeo's acting is particularly spectacularly bad. Yeah. We're going to tell you some selling points for for this episode, but this is not one of them. Mm -mm. While while the couple are uh, having these lovely conversations, Suddenly, uh-oh, turns out someone is watching from the bushes. I feel like I, I'm, still, I'm still talking the, in this uh, really intense <laughs> voice that I use for, for the interview. Uh, let, let me try again. As the, the couple uh, is having their moment or whatever, um, suddenly there's this uh, creepy music alert. And we find out that someone is watching from the bushes. And it's a baddie. And, uh, since uh, Juliet is the only one out of the two not, at that moment, overwhelmed by a raging boner, uh, she notices that someone is indeed there, but it's too late. So they're surrounded by these like ancient Greek ninjas, is the only way I can describe their outfits. And they, they grab, grab Juliet. I'm just going to refer to them as Romeo and Juliet because we're told their names, but it's completely irrelevant. It's like... A thousand percent Romeo and Juliet, so... You won't remember them. Yes. We won't remember them. Exactly, exactly. So they grab Juliet and and take her away somewhere, and Romeo, who clearly knows absolute jack shit about fighting, gets knocked out immediately. After that, we get back to Zena and Gabrielle, and uh, Gabrielle is just, you know, happy about them living an adventurous life, which, I don't know, it's it's 
good for her, you know, because it's nice that we see her making these choices for herself from the get go. You know, we don't get these like first 10 episodes where she's struggling to figure out what she actually wants and whether it's right for her or maybe it's not right for her. Oh, but I don't know. First episode, she makes a decision. She's like, hell yes, correct decision. That's that's what we get. And actually both both Zena and Gabrielle come to us with like their minds made up about what kind of life they want. Like broadly speaking, of course they have some doubts about certain certain things, but broadly speaking, they're really set. And what we get to see is just like them pursuing the life that they believe is is right for them, which is, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, that, that I liked, but it kind of struck me that Gabrielle was uh, sort of composing her version of ancient inspo porn. That's the only way I can call it, because she says, if curiosity is food of life, then adventure is the meal. <laughs> yeah, and I cannot make up my mind if Gabrielle's writing is intentionally or unintentionally cringy, because we're going to have a lot of those little snippets of her writing things, like her voiceover, like like Carrie Bradshaw. She's like, I couldn't help but wonder. <laughs> Killing 10 ruffians in the morning. Is that the sign that we're going to meet the loves of our lives or that the love of my life is actually the one killing the ruffians? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, we're going to get those little snippets of her writing and her voiceover, and it's always rubbing me the wrong way. Is Gabrielle a bad writer? That's what I want to ask you and our listeners. I think she's supposed to be like really, really corny. I, I think she's not supposed to be bad, necessarily. I think she's supposed to be good in, in the sense of she's engaging, but she's corny, so she has this middle-aged housewife appeal. <laughs> So um, the two arrive at a tavern, huh? Yes, always, uh, always taverns. Every every episode we get to see a new tavern, and uh, they immediately see someone get thrown out of the window from from the inside as they're walking to the tavern, which is lovely. Gabrielle says, "Places like this always have the best food," and then she sees someone get thrown out and adds, "An atmosphere, two important ingredients to fine dining." <laughs> Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. I, I liked it. So the guy who was thrown out um, sees them, takes out a knife, but he seems to be, I guess, too inebriated to do anything. He stumbles back. But still, Xena whistles at her horse, Argo, and Argo kicks the dude in the chest for good measure. Then um, Zena and Gabrielle walk into the tavern, and Gabrielle is walking in front of Zena. And so as they're walking, Zena gets repeatedly groped and she knocks out every guy that does that with her left fist, super cash. Then another guy takes out a knife and Zena does her signature move of taking a sip of her drink and spitting it over the fire, flamethrower style. And Gabrielle literally notices none of that. Not a <laughs> single thing that happens while, while she's walking in front of Zena. They, they sit down. Zena's feeling... Super chill. She puts one of her legs on the table. She looks really, really hot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it will shock everyone to find out that somehow powerful femmes became my type. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> How did that happen? Nobody knows. It's a mystery. <laughs> um, so surprise, Romeo is also in this tavern. So he walks up to Xena, puts a heavy bag of coins 
next to her and says that he wants to hire her or hire them. It's it's unclear. He, he just says you. So Gabrielle immediately protests and, and Zena says, no, no, not that kind of hire. <laughs> so it's interesting that that's Gabrielle's first assumption. Like she immediately goes to, to that place in her head. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised by that also. The only explanation I have is that, as you said, like they had their fair share of taverns at this point because basically ancient Greece consists of poor villages and taverns. Yep. There are pervy, creepy guys groping them and like, oh, hey, baby. So I guess that <laughs> that's Gabrielle is just like, oh, another one. Fuck, Zena, kick this one in the crotch too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could be. So Romeo asks if he can sit down and Zena says no. I'm super into that power move. Yes, yes, queen. Romeo explains that his fiance has been abducted and if she's not returned, there'll be a war. While he's explaining this, some dude behind Zena catcalls her and and she kicks him in the face while sitting down. So she keeps sitting on her chair, but her, she kicks up with her foot going over her own head and hitting the dude in the face. That is brilliant. It's amazing. <laughs> it looks so good. And she has this like absolutely unbothered face throughout the whole thing. Doesn't even flinch. Romeo offers her the money to go find his, his fiance. She refuses the, the payment. She tells Romeo, go give your gold to charity or other people that need it. Says, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll find your, your fiance and takes his, uh, huge ass medallion that he's wearing, not even like bothering to take it over his head. Also, he just, she just yanks it from, from his neck. Zina is in a mood. Also, this medallion, I know that it's representing like, oh, this is the jewelry men wore in ancient Greece, but it's kind of 90s to me. It is very 90s. Like this chunky metal thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But also, it's funny how when Romeo comes, he's concerned about the possibility of war and not the fact that like presumably the woman he loves has been abducted and i don't know maybe that's just for show and he wants to make the stakes higher for Zina and gabrielle but i found that a little funny so maybe he was not that into juliet he just wanted to bone in the garden potentially tell that story to grandkids if there are grandkids <laughs> oh you're making this a very sad episode <laughs> Julia, <laughs> she'll find someone better. I mean, yeah, I don't think I, so. I, I'm being, I'm being very subtle about it, but I don't like this dude's acting. <laughs> yeah, somehow you, you seem to have hinted at that. Yeah, but what I do like is how Gabby is going through the gold coins as Zena and Romeo are speaking. I love. Renee O'Connor's comedic timing there. She's she's brilliant. Like her character does not have a lot of one-liners as Zena's her character does, but she she is very funny in a lot of moments, and this is one of them. Yeah, yeah, it, it is it is quite good. So to figure out where Juliet is, Zena needs to go to uh, Tortuga. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> a, a town where lots of baddies hang out. 
And Gabriella is actually kind of worried that Zena will be reminded of her old days and feel tempted to go back. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very weird doubt to have at this point. But Zena yeah. also says it might be good to see some of them again. And boy, is it going to pay off. We have another hetero story alert. I repeat, another hetero story alert. <laughs> yeah, brace, brace. <laughs> <laughs> So Gabrielle stays in the tavern with Romeo and uh, decides to tell him stories. So we're introduced to new characters. Uh, we meet a weapons dealer and his sidekick uh, who sell a bunch of shit to the guy from Juliet's family. So this guy is hoping to go to war against Romeo's family. And so the, the weapons dealer is making a buck out of, out of that situation. And it's interesting because the dealer is dressed in fur, like a, a full-on fur coat, mm -hmm. while his sidekick is kind of in an Asian Greek equivalent of a muscle shirt. <laughs> What's the weather? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Com coming back to the review of like, no matter the weather, everybody's yeah, yeah, half yeah. naked. I, I would assume that uh, the weapons dealer's furs are more about demonstrating his wealth. Yeah, but that's just it's very uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this must be a really sweaty guy. Oh, yeah. He looks like a very sweaty guy. The, the sweaty guy also says uh, that he knows what it's like to lose a loved one. And I, I assumed that it was some kind of a like setup and that later we'll yeah. find out that, I don't know, Xena killed his uh, whatever brother, sister, dog, <laughs> nanny. <laughs> something you know <laughs> maybe the writers like thought about that and then changed their mind and they forgot to like take out this this initial planting yeah because he's very convincing when he's delivering that line because usually when mm. baddies lie they're like oh i know what it's like to lose a loved one wink wink to the camera but here he was pretty convincing it's like one of the most genuine sounding things that he says in this episode um so we also in that scene, find out that the princess was brought in to the arms dealer that morning. So he's the one who created this whole mess and he's the one profiting from it. Uh, something that has not happened in history of the world at all at any point. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, we then see yet another tavern. <laughs> And uh, in this tavern, this is like a more raunchy tavern. This is like they're they're hooters, because <laughs> <laughs> because the waitress was really you know boobalicious. Mm. Anyway, so, <laughs> so we see this other other tavern, and there a bunch of guys are like literally bragging to each other about raping women. <laughs> And they're drinking to Dionysus. It was a kind of a dark scene, but I really enjoyed that because that's clearly a female gaze there. Because those guys who are like, oh, oh, oh she asked for it, oh, harlot. They're completely despicable. And basically that's poking fun of that bro male culture. And I kind of enjoyed that. So then Xena comes in and everyone's like, oh, hey buddy and um they all 
welcome her and ask her uh, what the fuck she's been up to and she explains um that she's been doing like nice things lately but it's all part of her evil plan to gain the trust of the common people and everyone buys it like it sounds so dumb and everyone's like oh cool 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 okay let's let's let's, let's go hang out <laughs> yeah but this is the whole dynamic of this episode this dichotomy of good and evil because i mean in the real world and even in some fictional stories usually evil people are like not like oh i'm evil hi my name is sam i'm evil i'm into evil i'm evil what are you <laughs> and here they treat it like a political party like yes <laughs> i mean she has to justify her making some good deeds, but she's like, but deep down inside, I'm still a Republican. <clears throat> I mean, I'm evil. I'm evil. I'm evil. It's okay. I'm a baddie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really cute. Um, at one point, they, they're chatting and, and Zena says that she wants to, either she wants to or she did go after a certain baddie because that baddie like went after her mother or something. And suddenly, the sidekick appears and calls bullshit. And Dean is like, you got something to say to me? And he's like, <laughs> I got something to say about your mother. And it's on. <laughs> and it's on for like 10 seconds. And then in, in 10 seconds, the sidekick is like, how's your mother, Zena? And, and she's like, Marcus, it's been too long. And they embrace. It's, it's really stupid. <laughs> But I'm curious, what's up with that? What's the story behind it? Did Marcus come to dinner at some point and met Zena's mom? Because he definitely knows that she has a mother. So I, I don't know. I, I, Zena is a conqueror and not a criminal element. So I, I, I wonder how how they met. At, at the at the uh, evil people convention, maybe. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is literally like a town for evil people. Tortuga, you 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 said it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So clearly, in in this universe, there are just hangouts where you go if you want to, you know, spend time with your fellow evil evil folks and get your evil badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some evil socializing. So, one of the you know Friday evil mixers. Uh, <laughs> One thing led to the, to the other, etc. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, we see that Romeo and Gabrielle are back at the at the first tavern, the the gropy the gropy tavern, not the rapey tavern. Mm. Um, <laughs> Don't mix them up. <laughs> Don't mix them up. Um, that's how you know one of them is evil and the other one is not. <laughs> um, Romeo tells Gabrielle how he fell in love with Juliet at first sight and she's like oh that's so cute yeah but also it's more like Romeo trying to tell the story and Gabrielle workshopping the story because Romeo was like oh and then we met and Gabrielle's like make it more romantic was there moonlight were you in the woods and they're like it's okay I can just tell my story or, or are you writing a romance novel and you need some pointers uh-huh or maybe she is Maybe, maybe she is. She's like, I, I'm tired of writing action. I want some action of different kind. And at that point, she has this brilliant idea 
She's like, hey, let's go to Juliet's dad and you can tell him how much you love his daughter and everything will be resolved. I mean, what could go wrong? That's a brilliant plan. <clears throat> exactly, exactly. It just, everyone is just really, really stupid and, and it never occurred to them to do this. And it's only the genius mind of Gabrielle that could have <laughs> come up with this ingenious solution. Well, we'll see how it plays out. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll go great. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Zena and Marcus, uh, so Marcus is the name of the psychic, Zena and Marcus catch up. And it turns out that Marcus has missed Zena and thought about her a lot. And Zena says she thought of him too, but she doesn't kind of go into the details of it. And Marcus is like, uh, but like in a good way or, or not in a good way? And she's like, yeah, kind of both. <laughs> as, as an aside, I wanted to, to mention that um, Marcus is another early example of what I can only assume is like race blind casting in Zena because um, Marcus is black. It's never mentioned. It has absolutely no role to play in the story. He's just black, like everyone else is white, uh, whatever, you know. No, I love that about the show. And I, I think that's the first time I'm properly noticing it. So meanwhile, we see that the weapons dealer in Furs appears in the tavern and threatens a guy who supposedly stole something from him. And he accuses him of that and also says, oh, I've also figured out that you have someone working for you on the inside. And then he says this phrase, and it's probably my favorite quote from the entire episode. He says to this guy, stop by my office tomorrow. <laughs> I figured it out because he thought that that was a sufficiently bad deed and he wants to like, I don't know, stamp some documents with like this evil stamps and just give a guy a certificate that he <laughs> a certified baddie. What fucking office? What the fuck? <laughs> I, I don't know. So there, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about keeping communications open mm -hmm. uh, as something that <laughs> one, of the, one of the evil characters says, this corporate speak. So now I'm wondering, did, did all the evil people attend the same like corporate lingo seminar at one point? <laughs> it seems so, which makes sense. Corporate people are evil, so Indeed. everything checks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, it does. <laughs> if you display any kind of trait like honesty or loyalty, that's a no-no because that's not how evil baddies do things. But if you steal from your boss, that's kind of like badass enough. And then you're a prospective member of the baddie community and you get promoted, I guess. It and makes no sense. <laughs> That's that's literally what happened. So, the the dude accuses accuses this guy of uh, the weapons dealer accuses this guy of stealing, and then he's like, "Oh, you're kind of smart. Okay, cool. Stop by my office tomorrow." <laughs> 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 yep, yep, yep. Meanwhile, um, in another place in in Tortuga, what everyone refers to as the compound. Zena notices Juliet being transferred to the other to another location. And uh, so she she sees, okay, Juliet is here. 
and they also run into the arms dealer uh, again. The dealer mentions that he will really enjoy raping Juliet since she's so pretty. Nice. Love it. Um, and the plan is to then murder her. Uh, Marcus introduces the dealer to Xena, and the dealer calls the guards on her immediately, and we're like, da-da-da, oh, does he know the plan? Oh my god. Um, but actually, he's assuming that Xena wants to steal Juliet and get money, but Xena talks her way out of it. Yeah, because stealing Juliet is still a bad action, so she's still one of the baddies, so she's one of us, so it's okay. And uh, the dealer orders Marcus not to let Xena out of his sight, but he's already paying her a lot of attention, because first of all, he's showing her where they keep the weapons, because that's an information that you share with someone you haven't seen for ages, and then he's leading her to his favorite place, the hot spring in the backyard. I mean, let's let's be real. It's a hot tub. It's a it's a like nicely decorated uh, stone hot tub. <laughs> yeah, but somehow he says that he, it heats the entire castle. So yes, there is a hot spring somewhere. Meanwhile, Gabrielle and Romeo are on the way to Juliet's dad to just have a nice chat, which of course is definitely going to happen. And Gabrielle tries to convince Romeo that. Since he's sensitive, <laughs> then Juliet must be special. And in turn, since Juliet is special, then her father must also be special and reasonable. Like, nope, 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 nope. That's extremely <laughs> not how things work. Oh my God. And they, the two get arrested by the father's guards like a minute later. Yeah, solid logic there, Gabrielle. Meanwhile, Marcus indeed shows Zena his hot tub. He's like, let's fuck. Remember how we used to fuck and that was nice? <laughs> <laughs> and Zena kind of considers it, but then again, through a little window, which is like, there's a window? <laughs> um, through a little window, sees uh, Juliet being dragged somewhere, and so she kind of cock blocks. <laughs> Marcus says, let's fuck later. Yeah, and the, there's a dialogue also that made me cringe a little bit. Marcus says, you are even more beautiful than I remember. And Zena's like, what do you remember? And he's like, everything, every sound, every touch, every smell. Ew! This line rubs me the wrong way. It's not that I'm completely against side romances that are going to happen a lot in, in season one, but for some reason, I don't feel the chemistry between those two at all. I like Marcus's character separately, but when they're trying to do sexy times with Xena, I'm like, uh, uh, make it stop. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I don't know. For for me, it, it doesn't like entirely not work mm -hmm. like I, I i i can sort of see it maybe because lucy lawless is is selling it for me yeah yeah with, with her acting but um yeah of course it's not it's not my favorite part which will shock you a listener of a podcast called xena made me gay that <laughs> the two hosts of the show are not the biggest fans of the hetero pairings we're being presented with yeah. Trigger warning, hetero propaganda. Oh, So Xena again runs into the arms dealer. They just like constantly 
going to the same place mm -hmm. and kind of she senses that he's about to go do some raping <laughs> and so she tells him oh i want to speak to you right now immediately he's like maybe later and she's like nope 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 it needs to happen right now let's go i'm ready let's talk he says yes which is interesting and Zena offers him some advice and she makes him an offer and she says that a war is about to break out and the war would be over too quickly because one of the sides is much stronger than the other but she says that she can extend it indefinitely by having her army first fight for one side and then for the other um the weapon dealer says eh, no thanks then Zena's like but here's my advice <laughs> Juliet is worth more alive than dead and he's like Oh, wow. I haven't thought of that. Hmm, what an original thought. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> and Dina's like, okay, well, since I've, I've given you this incredible advice, give my army all of the arms that they want and also half of all of your profits. And he's like, yeah, cool, 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 deal. <laughs> I, I don't get it, but sure, this is, this is literally what happens. No, I have a theory about that. Oh, yes, tell me. When I saw the scene, I actually enjoyed that Xena was not like, I want, I don't know, like 25%. She's like, no, give me half. And I think the fact that Xena asks for so much makes her a convincing villain, a convincing baddie. Mm. And he's like, hell yeah, she means business. I like her. Yeah. So I think that they have this sort of almost a BDSM dynamic with the dude because he kind of wants to show that he's this big man to Xena and she sometimes indulges him but ultimately Xena takes advantage of him and he kind of likes that yeah yeah it's true she she has this really flirty but also very confident manner of of negotiating like it, it really tickles him in the right spots <laughs> absolutely she's she's being a financial dominatrix right now <laughs> <laughs> and he's into it <laughs> he is into it <laughs> so as they're talking suddenly there's commotion and we see that Juliet is threatening to jump off her balcony yes yes really <laughs> Juliet is on the balcony and she's she's threatening to jump and she also has a knife but it looks like it's like maybe second floor so it's not that much of a threat like okay if she's gonna jump like maybe she's gonna break her like leg anyway so the arms dealer is about to shoot julia down with a with a bow and arrow but xena offers up to go up and talk to the girl reminding the dude what she said like two minutes ago about how Juliet <laughs> is worth more alive. It just, I guess it, it just doesn't compute in his brain. It's like, leave, leaving someone alive? What? No. How do you do that? <laughs> That's not what we do in the baddie community. Uh, and then he, he, he turns to Marcus and he's like, this Xena, she's a strange woman. I like her energy. He is totally in love by now. That's so cute. <laughs> I like her energy. So this is this is uh, still a, a long way to go. But at one point, Dina is got gonna get extremely new agey. Mm -hmm. So like energies and auras. Yes, and all of that is gonna come crashing down hard on all of us. Um, this is like just oh yeah a slight sprinkling of it uh but 
a waterfall is coming. I think it's around season four, so yeah, it's it's a long way to go. Yeah. But I remember there is being a bunch of new agey stuff borrowed from Hinduism. Mm, oh yeah. And at the end of one of the episodes, they're like, if you want to know more about Hinduism, visit this and this website. Really? I even think that the actresses Lucy Lawless and Renee O'Connor were just speaking to the camera and saying like if you want to know more about hinduism visit this certain website oh wow i remember it distinctly oh my god so we're in for a treat yeah damn that's so weird that must have gone over my head as a as a little kid and maybe i, I haven't rewatched that that episode uh, as an adult <laughs> wow cool cool yep <clears throat> so uh xena gets to juliet on, on the balcony and Zena tells her that both slitting her in throat and jumping from the balcony is um, literally overkill. Da -da 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 -bum. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether this was like an intentional uh, wordplay moment, but I was like, oh my God, you just didn't. Mm, they went there. Um, nope, they went there. Then Zena shows the girl Romeo's uh, chunky medallion and Juliet is like, oh my god! And uh, in this moment, <laughs> Zena grabs Juliet and takes her off the ledge. Then uh, Zena tells Juliet to meet her at the hot tub at night, which, um, I mean, that sounds like a nice offer to me. I'll, I'll make that deal. That would be such a plot twist. <laughs> Bet that someone wrote a fanfic about it. Zena, Warrior Princess, episode five, what happens in the hot tub? Stays in the hot tub. <laughs> Love it. Um, so then Zena tells the weapons dealer that Juliet is going to lose half her value if the dude rapes her. And he kind of considers the advice. That's the third time she's telling him that. So he, he considers that. And then he threatens Marcus and tells him not to let his dick overcome his loyalty to, to the boss. Because obviously the, the dealer can tell that there's something fishy going on. Yeah, something ha going on between between Zena and Marcus. Yeah, it's interesting because this whole time, from the very first time they meet, the dealer is suspicious of Zena, but also he admires her hmm. and he kind of lets her get away with basically everything, everything she does. Hmm. And it's interesting that at the beginning he has this monologue about him being too smart for anyone to double cross him. Hmm. And guess what happens next? <laughs> so at night, Xena sneaks into the arm storage area, and then Marcus shows up and confronts her. But before they can really talk, the arms dealer and his other psychics arrive and confront them. They confront them. Um, and Marcus and Xena explain that they're just checking out the goods, and uh, the, the dealer and his goons buy it. Yeah, yeah. And Zena continues to play a very convincing, money-hungry baddie. She is actually very believable. The arms dealer, once again, loves their power dynamic because Zena tells him what he wants to hear. She says that she doesn't mind him being in charge as long as she, they get equal pay. And she's very sexy when she says equal pay. <laughs> <laughs> so then the dealer and his guns leave. And Marcus asks Zena whether she was going to steal weapons. 
and reveals that he's the one that's been helping this uh, this guy that's coming to the office tomorrow yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> steal the shit from from the arms dealer. Like he proceeds to show her exactly how he does it. Like this is this is the first thing I do, and this is the second thing I do, and this is my spreadsheet. You know? <laughs> this is my business plan. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But he also like shows her the well that he uses to to smuggle things in and out, etc. Then they have this conversation about how Marcus has had thoughts about leaving the Republican Party and and stopping <laughs> being a, a a baddie. He's like, oh yes, I I was thinking about how you have this code and you never you've never killed defenseless people. And I'm like, is that true? Like that doesn't sound right given what we know about Xena does he just mean that she like made others do that for her and thus it's better like I don't I don't get that story um no I kind of feel that that checks out from what we know about evil Xena oh yeah it seems that she's had some sort of code of honor hmm. we know how it started she someone attacked her village in Pipolis and she wanted to protect her village and then she's like if I just conquer all of the neighboring villages then nobody is going to attack my right so i think that she kind of had some sort mm -hmm. of code of honor and it was more of a story of like if you become a conqueror and you're leading an army into a city nothing good can ca come of that even if you yourself do not kill defenseless people defenseless people die mm. oh yeah fair enough then marcus kind of leans in and caresses Zena's cheek and he says that he's noticed that she's different now. Mm -hmm. uh, he says specifically that she looks like she's found the answer, whereas he hasn't even found the question, which is, I think, an, a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, and they kiss. Yeah, and it's very interesting, the dynamic here, because Zina is in this position of a double agent. Mm. She is kind of torn because she cannot outright say, come to the light side, we have cookies. <laughs> But she kind of wants him to leave the Republican Party and become one of the good ones. So, yeah, it's interesting. That I think that dynamic I like more than the romantic stuff with the touch and the smell. Uh, meanwhile, we'll find out that Gabrielle and Romeo are going to be executed the next day. And <laughs> nobody is surprised. I mean, none of us are. It, I think they seem to be. Gabrielle seems to be surprised, but it's, uh, yep, exactly what everyone thought was going to happen. Yeah, but the scene itself is hilarious because Gabrielle is in shackles, Romeo is also somehow chained to a wall, and Gabrielle, unfazed, has a very calm monologue about the lack of communication. She's like, nobody talks anymore. That's the problem. Yeah, classic Gabrielle stuff. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Zena and Marcus are making out, but she cock blocks him again, and she goes to get Juliet at the hot tub. The arms dealer shows up at the door to the to the hot tub area. Yeah, he knocks at the door. But Zena hides Juliet in the tub and opens the door in this really cute kimono. Ooh. Again, like second time I've seen Zena in a kimono in these last five episodes. Yeah, she was she was wearing one in the Dreamworker mm -hmm. episode as well. Mm -hmm. So the dealer tells Zena that Romeo and his companion, he doesn't he doesn't mention who it is, uh, have been captured and they're going to be executed, which is supposed to be great news. And uh, the arms dealer asks Zena whether she wants to fuck, and she's like, eh, no thanks. <laughs> 
I really like how during the scene, Juliet is in the tub and at any point that Zena suspects Juliet is going to scream or gasp, like when she hears news about Romeo, Zena reaches out and without even looking, submerges Juliet's head underwater, like controlling the situation in this way also. And also I really enjoy this exchange because Zena is once again master manipulator here her version of saying no thanks to the dude that suggests that they fuck is the last time i've had a bath with a handsome man in a hot spring i almost lost a war and she kind of promises that once their dealings are over then maybe something can happen and the arms dealer goes away a happy man with his ego tickled Aww. Yeah, yeah. Well, well done, you know, well done. I mean, clearly she's she's done it thousands and thousands of times, so her skills are on point. She has many skills, as we know. So Marcus is in the rapey tavern, <laughs> and uh, and he learns from his stealing partner that Xena did good things. <gasps> da da da. <laughs> yeah. It, again, it's like it's like. Oh my god, she's working for the enemy, she did something good, she did something selfless, how could she, how could she betray me like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very dramatic, <laughs> it's like Dungeons and Dragons and Enlightenment, like if you're lawful evil, you have to stay lawful evil, what's up? <laughs> so we see that Xena uh, and Juliet are in the... Um in the arms storage facility and Zena puts Juliet in a crate and Juliet is feeling kind of claustrophobic about that uh, to which Zena answers, you'd hate a coffin even more. Fair. Solid, solid argument, yeah. But Marcus walks in right after Zena closes the, the crate and so he asks Zena, what's in it? What's in the crate? But clearly he knows already at that point because he threatens to shoot the crate with an arrow and he specifically says like oh these are our new arrows they can penetrate like five hundred thousand meters of wood <laughs> poke a hole in the size of a fist something like that so obviously he's like no don't do it she says that she still cares about marcus but he asks her why she didn't tell him the truth right away he's feeling kind of hurt to which he, she says that she just didn't trust him at the beginning because she couldn't tell what he was all about at this point but but now she's seen it she knows he's he's ready to to leave the party <laughs> <laughs> she she tries to persuade him uh to do that but he says that he's not strong enough and immediately after he says that he calls the guards so she knocks him out as soon as he does that, and a fight with the guards ensues. So Zena hides Juliet, keeps fighting, but Marcus finds Juliet and threatens her at knife point. Then Zena talks to him. She manages to convince him not to harm Juliet, but the arms dealer runs in exactly at that moment, shoots at Juliet with a, with a bow and arrow, but Marcus covers Juliet with his body and gets fatally wounded instead of Juliet. So Juliet is fine. Marcus is fatally wounded. Um, Zena immediately kills the, the arms dealer and Marcus dies in Zena's arms. But also it's interesting that the arms dealer at that point, he has no reason to kill Juliet. Like 
he already agreed with Xena that she's worth more alive, but he just makes the classical mistake of all baddies. I guess that also is taught at the baddie seminars because he says, I'll have my war even if I have to kill every last one of you. And as we know, if any of the characters says kill them all or kill every last one of them, he is going to be dead by the end of the episode. And that's what happens. So we see a funeral for Marcus and Xena sings a really beautiful burial song, uh, which apparently Lucy Lawless composed and sang herself. That is so cool. I, I didn't know that she composed it. I knew that she has a very beautiful singing voice and that she is doing a lot of singing on the show, but I didn't know that she composed it. Um, Gabrielle is present at the funeral and she says that she wishes that she's actually met Marcus. So Gabrielle is being uh, a good poly girlfriend about this. And she, she wants to, to meet her metamorphs and be friends with them. Mm -hmm. And the episode ends with Xena repeating over and over that Marcus was her friend, which is an interesting choice. Yeah, I mean, Xena has a tendency of calling her loved ones friends. We know another gal mm. that also she says that, you know, you are my best friend, my best buddy, and I want to live with you forever. So I don't know if that, that is communication issues, that is emotional unavailability. What's up with that, Zena? Yeah, yeah. Unclear at this point. Mm -hmm. So, how many chakrams do we give this episode? I would say, for me, it's a solid five. Not the best. Has some nice dialogues. The main storyline is a little jumbled for me and basically consists of us running running into the arms dealer 10,000 times near the hot springs. But on the other hand, I really enjoyed this financial dominatrix dynamic with the arms dealer. So for me, it's a five. Interesting. I think so far it's the most serious episode that, that we've covered. Hmm. There's not a lot of playfulness in this one. It's all, it's all about war and death and rape mm. and betrayal and like changing your life going away from the life of, of crime and whether or not you are a good person you know like pretty heavy topics which is not unusual for for xena but i think often it's kind of sprinkled into the the series in a way that still keeps things light whereas this episode is almost entirely serious. That being said, I don't feel like it's bad. And I'm, I was less bothered both by the Xena Marcus relationship and uh, I think by Romeo's acting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'll give it a six. Okay. I, I wanted to say an average is five and a half. Yeah, we, we don't have to average it up. We can just keep it. Have our own opinions in case uh, when we come to the musical yeah. episode, I'll give it a 10 and you'll give it a 2. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, exactly. All right. You say this has been, mm -hmm. and I say we'll see you next time for. Okay. Okay, so this has been episode 5, The Path Not Taken. And we'll see you next week to discuss episode six of season one of Xena, Warrior Princess. <laughs> <laughs>
see you then. Bye.